Hi, and welcome to the Lighthouse Church Podcast, where we're diving deeper into God's Word and doing our best to help encourage you in your walk with God. Thanks for joining us. Because one of the things that I've noticed about Amanda over the years, if one of the things we bought some couches off Amazon and back quite a while back, and one of the things that she did before the couches even got there, she, she began to make room for the couches that she had ordered. And I'm just wondering if anybody's ordered some mercy today. Because if so, then you need to get rid of the junk that's in your house. You need to get rid of the couch, the old couch, so that you can make room for the new one. You know? And that's called faith. I'm making room for mercy. Let me tell you what we need right now more than anything else in our world is mercy. We need mercy. But here's the thing is I want people to be merciful, but I don't want it to start with me. (laughs) I want people to be at peace, but I don't want to be one who spreads it. I want other people to do it. And what I'm worried about in our culture right now is that we have this infatuation with fear and anxiety and apprehension. And it's what's selling. It's what's popular. And just in case you didn't know this, all the news broadcasts, they're for profit. And so being for profit means that they are going to be producing what it is that's selling. And right now what's selling is fear. And if I scroll through social media, it's the same thing. And I choose not to be anchored to that. How about y'all? So today, I want some mercy. I'm going to do that. And so it may not be the most popular message on social media, but I don't give a crap. I don't. Because it's about mercy. And I know sometimes you know what people need even though they don't think they need it. You're just like little kids. You're like, you got to eat, little Johnny. you got to eat something besides the Milky Way bar. Why is that? Because I know you're going to grow up and have problems if you don't, right? Because I know, and a lot of reason I know is because I, t- I got problems. So, so look, at, look at what Scripture, we're going to be in about three different places in Scripture. So if you're taking notes, man, take notes. Make room for mercy. In 1 Chronicles 28, uh, verse 10 and 11, we're going to be just strictly King James today. We're King James in it today. But we're doing it through the meadow, so that's good, right? So verse 10, it says, Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Then David gave to Solomon his son the pattern of the porch and of the houses thereof and of the treasuries thereof and of the upper chambers thereof and the inner parlors thereof and of the place of the mercy seat. And so here we have here in this story in First Chronicles, and I'm going to spare you the enti- reading the entire chapter, is that... David is dying. David's on his deathbed. And David is, is giving the words. So God is wanting to rebuild the house, but God's not wanting to do, do it through David. God's wanting to do it through Solomon. And, he, and David is like, well, here's what the Lord's saying to do. And Solomon's over there with his notebook taking notes. And so here, here he is. He's giving the plans for the temple. But the focus today is the mercy seat. You see, because the mercy seat is the name given to the lid of the ark of the covenant, and that was in the Jewish. It was it was in the Jewish sanctuary in the desert, and later in the temple in Jerusalem. So the lid was made from a solid piece of gold. Did you hear me? A solid. Listen, Trinity Network has nothing on God's house in the Old Testament. Okay, so because I sometimes used to, you'd watch the Trinity Network and it'd be like this really elaborate stuff and these staircases that looked like they were. Probably more like brass, not gold, but they would definitely look along those lines. And here we have a solid gold uh, lid on this. And there was a figure of an angel called a cherub. 
and it was placed at each end of the cover, and the space between the angels was called the mercy seat. Between the angels. So the mercy seat was special because it was a place that God's glory appeared when he wanted to communicate with Israel. You can find that several times in the Old Testament. One is Exodus 25. And so the symbol of the divine presence appeared over the mercy seat like a glowing light, and they called that Shekinah glory, the Shekinah. And that's what that was. And so I've heard churches over the years called Shekinah, and I've heard other people refer to that. But some people pronounce it different, but my country language would call it Shekinah. I've heard different things, but nonetheless, the Hebrew word translated into English is a word that refers to the sacrifice that reconciles and leads to peacemaking. And so the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant, we call it, was the mercy seat where blood would be sprinkled seven times every day on the mercy seat. There was to be a place for it in the temple. And here's the thing is, just in case you didn't know this today, the New Testament refers to you as being the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this building is just a building, but it's actually a temple as well. And so we have to make sure that we remember that I am that temple where the mercy seat should be if I know who Jesus is. And so make sure that in our temple, our life, your life, my life, our walk, your service to God that you have among all these other things and other compartments of your service to God, that you have a special place for the mercy seat of God in your life. And so, and, and let's, let's go a little bit. Can we kick it in second gear now? Is that okay? Can we kick it? Maybe we might skip second and go to third. I don't want to be like my brother who was learning to drive on my dad's Volkswagen Bug. It's a four-speed. And he went, he was in, uh, uh, let's see, what was he? He was, going, it was, I don't remember exactly. He was in third, and he was getting ready to go to fourth. But instead of going to fourth, the big dummy went from third to second. Somebody help me out. You know what happened, right? It was like that right there. And my dad, I remember being a little kid, and, my, and, and we didn't wear seatbelts. So I thought it was kind of fun because I slammed into the back of his seat. And uh, remember back when we used to have fun like that? And nobody died. At least they didn't report it, you know? Maybe they just didn't report all these deaths. I don't know what it was. I think about it now. I'm like, what in the world? What's up with that? And so we were going down the road today, and Judah says, well, when, when was the first time you wore a seatbelt? And I was like, I don't know. I said, I know I didn't when I was a kid because I would get up in the back windshield of my mom's Monte Carlo and beg her to hit the brakes. <laughs> Did anybody else? Anybody? Okay, see, some of y'all ain't old enough. Some of y'all, and the ones that are raising their hand now understand why that you are the way that you are, right? So it was fun, but now we've ruined it all. So anyway, so, but nonetheless, let's get back to this. Let's kick it up in the gear. It's the mercy of God that's brought you here today, period. And we are blessed, and our families are blessed, and our lives are blessed because of one thing, and that is simply the mercy of God. His mercy endures forever and forever and forever and forever. Come on. And when? And, and it does it end. His mercy endures always eternity, and I'm thankful for it. It was so real in David's life in, in, in the Old Testament that he had messed up so bad that he had committed adultery, and then he committed a crime punishable by death because he killed a man named Uriah, 
And according to the law, he should have been killed as well because a life for a life. And God spared him in his mercy, and David knew it. The problem today, I think, for a lot of us is we forget that we're only one step away from where we have been delivered from, and that's only because of mercy. And that I need to remember, man, listen, there's no point in me acting like I'm all that. There's no point in me acting like I'm better than anybody else because the only thing that made me different from who I was was mercy. That's it. And it lasts forever. The tank never runs out, y'all. I swear, I'm like, oh my gosh. There's not been one time that I've had to pull into Exxon and say, I need some of that 87 octane mercy. Because I don't run out of it. Because it's not my tank that it's running on. It's God's tank. And it's never ending amount of mercy. And so, in Exodus 16, it states that Moses was compelled to take some manna. And he placed it under the mercy seat to remind future generations of the struggle and God's provision to his people. Gosh, so listen, guys, this is when it hit me this week. This is when I had church this week. So if you're not having church after this, I have not. You've got problems, okay? Listen to me, because I was in my office, and I was reading this, and I was studying, and I said, hold on a second. If this is the truth, then this also means that this is the truth, because if this is what the Word says, then this over here has to be the case as well, because sometimes it don't say it in the Word, but because you see something in the Word, you're just like, well, if that's true, then this has to be true. So what, what am I talking about? Well, we're going to find out. You can see inside the mercy seat was the pot of manna from the wilderness. And the whole idea was that it reminded every generation about where they had come from. That they, they would be reminded for a long time that their ancestors wandered, lost, and they didn't have to, but they chose to. And that the reminder was from our mistakes, don't make the mistakes that we made. And so the manna was there so that it would remind them that God was even faithful in the midst of their mistakes and that God provided no matter what. Wasn't what they wanted. Much rather have Outback, much rather have Applebee's, much rather have pizza. But I got manna every day. And you know, I'm going to complain about it. You just like me, you're going to find a way to complain about it. All of us are. And they did. And here Moses said it's important that we put that there. And so here's what I want you to get this morning that I, I was like, oh my gosh. God did not provide any more than what they had to have. And if they kept any, it would ruin before they could eat it. That's scriptural. But this particular manna that was placed under the mercy seat would have had worms in it 25 hours later. But when it was brought under the mercy seat... It stayed alive, and it flourished. You don't believe me. See, that doesn't necessarily spell out in Scripture, but how is every generation going to know that God did this unless God made sure to flourish whatever it was that was put under the mercy seat? In other words, God was going to give them an empty jar that had rotted out? No, God was going to remind them so anything that was placed under mercy flourished. And it brought life to it. We'll say, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't, know. I, I don't know if I believe you, preacher. Because, well, let me ask you, what would you do today without mercy? And just ask yourself that right quick. Where would I be today without mercy? So I didn't do anything bad. I didn't do anything bad. Listen, Amber, Amber I asked her last Sunday to share something. She'd been a wreck all week long. And she did it like a pro. And it was really good. And, and you know, here's the, what I, I know about Amber. Amber has had a past 
a, a history of various things that she is willing to talk about those things. So I'm not sharing anything she's not willing to talk about. But because of the things that she's chosen in the past, it's uh, kind of wrecked some of the issues in her life. And God is restoring her little by little, day by day. He's restoring her. And you know what all that's because of? Mercy. Because she deserved worse. But God, in his mercy, is beginning to rebuild the life a day at a time. And it's a beautiful thing to watch and see. And, and so here's the thing that's funny because Aaron's stick, we know this from Scripture, Aaron's stick that he had, because a lot of people, well, I won't go into all that, but Aaron had a stick. Can I just say that Aaron had a stick? Okay. Aaron and Gracie said, Aaron, Gracie just looked at Aaron and said, you got a stick? I didn't know you had a stick. Aaron's got a stick, okay? Aaron may want to try this. I've done this with walking on water. I've tried, I've looked, I've been fishing, and I said, you know, I'm, nobody's looking. Maybe I could give this a shot. And I thought, well, if I did get it, who am I going to tell, right? I mean, because nobody's going to believe me. So Aaron might try this. He might go home and get a stick out of a tree and try this very thing, some of the things we see in Scripture. But Aaron had a stick in the Old Testament. Aaron stayed connected with Moses. And Aaron, I believe, was very much the spokesperson. He didn't get the credit for it because Moses was the leader. But nonetheless, Aaron, his stick that was dead, when they put it in the box where the mercy seat was, it started budding. It put blood. <laughs> Listen, guys. <laughs> oh, my gosh. A stick that was not connected to a root began to bud because of where it was placed. You understand? So I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've been through. When you put you under the mercy seat, you bloom. Period. 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 And so, listen, this is, this is a huge deal. Why in the world would we need mercy? Well, if you go on a little further, because, you know, you, you can go through some stuff. Um, his mercy can bring dead stuff back to life. I've seen it over and over. His mercy can heal your home. His mercy can heal the relationships in your life. And what the devil says is dead, when it's placed under God's mercy, it comes back to life every single time. It's amazing to watch. But... God's mercy is so powerful that if you want to, later on, you can read the story of 1 Samuel chapter 6. Now, depending on which version you read, if you read the NIV version, it's probably going to say 70. If you read the King James version, it's going to say 5,000 and 70. So, either way, it's a powerful story because they were bringing this Ark of the Covenant back, and something had happened. I guess it got off kilter a little bit, and one of the guys reached up and accidentally removed the lid from the Ark which was the mercy seat. And when he did, the scripture says that over 50,000 people dropped dead at the very moment that he did it. Hello? I mean, that's like, <laughs> what do you do if you're that guy? Uh, oops. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, uh, <laughs> you just fix it and one step. I don't know, maybe, I don't know, but I'm just saying, it's interesting to see this in the scripture because there's sometimes that things are powerful in our life and we don't notice the power that they have until they're not there and not one single day of my life have I ever woke up and not found mercy Micah 6 8 says this he's shown you O mortal um, that what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly 
to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Look at that. It's interesting because there's three things there. To do justly, okay, it's an action, and to walk humbly. So I'm doing and I'm walking. But in the midst of my justly and humbly living, there's this thing called mercy. And I'm going to love mercy. It's like the center point. It's like the focal point of it all. Because, see, I want you to understand that when you are ridiculed, love mercy. You hear me? When you go through the valley, love mercy. You understand? Because I'm going to do justly. In other words, I'm going to do the best I can to live justly before my God. And I'm going to walk humbly because humbly is, walking humbly is so critical because I never get bigger than what I really am, that I remember where I come from and I remember why it is that I am where I am and who I should give credit to. But in the midst of all those things, I should love mercy. And so no matter what I'm doing, if I'm standing on the mountaintop, I should be loving mercy. If I'm walking through the valley, I should be loving mercy. When I face tough situations, I'm going to love mercy because mercy is one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given his people. John chapter 5, last scripture of the day, tells this, this story. You've, I'm sure you've heard it. Pool of Bethesda. Uh, John 5, 1 through like verse 9. We're going to read that. So it says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Right? So, um, and now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Okay, so get the picture here. You need to, this is a real story. Here are a great number of disabled people used to lie. And I may be reading a different version than you are, but go with me. Verse 3. Here are a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. In verse 5, it goes on and says, One who was there had been in, an invalid for, uh, or had an infirmity. I'll read with you guys uh, because I don't want you to be too far off. Or how long? Somebody help me out. 38 years. Okay, 38 years. It just specifically says it, 38 years. Right, so are we all right up here? No, it's all screwing up. Never mind. You're just, I see it right here. You don't see it here. We're having technical difficulties because sometimes this thing freezes up on us because it's technology. But the good news is God don't rely on our technology because God's word stands strong no matter what. So listen, verse 5 says, One was there had been an invalid for 38 years. In verse 6 it says, When Jesus saw him lying there, and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. He said, you want to be made well? That's what he said. And, you know, and there's times that I've seen people in my life, and I've thought, do you really want to be made well? It, 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 and I've shared the story before, and uh, we'll come back to verse 7 in a second, because the... The, the, the guy, it was a funny story, but it was a sad story. Uh, and you've heard, some of you probably heard me share it. When, when they was praying over a guy at my brother's church uh, years ago, and his Pastor Woody was praying over him, and they were praying for God to heal him and all this stuff, and the guy interrupts him during the prayer, and he says, no, 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 I don't want God to heal me. He said, I'll lose my disability. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. And, and there's a scripture that talks about don't quench the Holy Spirit. It, that's, that quenches the Holy Spirit right there because... And rather than allow God to heal him, he would rather just not work and get disability, which the truth was he was working and getting, anyway, so there's a whole other thing right there, right? But nonetheless, here he was. And so in this story, I think Jesus asked this question. It was one of the most important questions he could ask the guy because how long had it been since this guy really thought about what he was doing? 
Well, how long had it been since this guy stopped for just a second and said, why am I praying what I'm praying? What am I, why is am I seeking what I'm seeking? In verse 7, he says, sir, the invalid replied, he said, I have no one to help me into the pool where the water is stirred. And, see, and he says, while I'm trying to get in, someone goes down ahead of me and they get in front of me. So verse 8, he says, and Jesus said to him, well, get up. Get up. Because the truth is, if you wanted to be made well, you wouldn't have to wait on the waters to get stirred because the one in front of you is the one who can stir the waters in you, right? And he says, he said, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And why did he say that? Because he wouldn't have something to come back to. And you've wondered why when you come to Jesus and you start to get delivered, you start losing friendships, you start losing jobs, you start losing cars, you start losing homes. It's because Jesus is saying, pick up your mat and walk away. And I'm giving you something new, something better. And because if I don't take care of all these things behind you, you're going to go back to it. And God is severing those things. And he says, get up, pick up your mat, walk. And once the man was cured... He picked up his mat and walked. 38 years. 38 years. Oh, my gosh. That's younger than what I am. But nonetheless, we don't know that he was that way from the very get-go, but we know that it had been going on for 38 years. But you know what? Bethesda actually means in the Greek, house of mercy. Mm, we read Scripture sometimes, and we need to read a little deeper, don't we? We need to dig a little deeper because an underwater spring caused the pool to bubble occasionally. And people believed it was the dipping of an angel's wing that caused it to stir up. And, and if the first person ran down and touched it, that they would uh, somehow be healed. Now, I don't know whether it actually happened or it didn't happen. No idea. No clue. But here's the one thing I do know. If you were really seriously suffering and couldn't walk and you were lame and these were really handicapped people, who was going to make it to the pool first? The strongest one of the bunch. Hello, right? So obviously they would appear to be healed because psychologically they would be like, oh, look at me. And the rest of them would be like, wow, because they don't know the whole story. But Jesus came along. And I, listen, guys, oh, my gosh, this is so incredible because have you ever hurt so much that you were willing to do whatever to solve the hurt? Why do we turn to drugs? Why do we turn to alcohol? That's a lot of the reason. Why do we marry crappy people? Because we've grown up with crappy people. We don't think that we can do any better than that. Thank God I married Amanda. She's not crappy. I know she's never heard that before in her life. Thank you, Amanda, for not being crappy. You know, I'm like, wow. So, you know, understand? I have a friend in school, from school, from way back in school. Been married several times. She marries guys that beat her and talk trash to her. Why is that? Because she grew up with a daddy that did the same thing. And so without realizing it, she has a lot of hurt. So what does she do? She's like, well, I'm going to solve it by doing this or doing that, and I'm going to go get on drugs, and I'm going to get on all these things. And listen this morning. All of us are, are guilty, right? It, maybe I'm hurting, so I'm going to go to the cabinet, and I'm going to eat that Chex Mix. And next time I go to the store, that little bag didn't last long. I'm going to get the family size bag. Somebody help me out. And, and, and we're like, and Jesus, Jesus, give me this. I mean, Jesus, no, you know. And I go to, to McDonald's, instead of getting the Big Mac, I'm going to get the Saweetie meal. 
If you don't know what I'm talking about, you ain't been to McDonald's lately because in there, they got a Big Mac, two fries, two drinks, four nuggets. Who shares four nuggets? Has anybody asked that before? It's supposed to be a sweetie meal. You share it with somebody. And how do you share a Big Mac? Once you get your hands on a Big Mac, you ain't sharing that Big Mac because you got that special sauce running down your arm. I don't want to eat what you've been eating on that Big Mac. I ain't sharing with you, so I'm going to get it for myself because Jesus wants me to have the sweetie meal, right? Because I have a hurt, and I'm going to try to fix my hurt with some type of, 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 of addiction. And so here's Jesus. He, he's walking through the pool of Bethesda, the porch area, Guys, you got to get this. And it's like an overcrowded nursing home outside. Y'all know what it's like to be at a nursing home. I've been at a nursing home. I haven't been to one in a while. It's, it's not a very encouraging place to go, right? It's not, not a reason why we shouldn't go. I'm just saying. It's, there's a reason a lot of people don't want to go is because it's, it's a nursing home. It has a smell. It has a vibe. It's not your vibe either, is it? I never forget the lady that uh, <laughs> I was there to see a, a real, they were kind of uppity women. And the, uh, the girl's mama, who was like 90, had been put in a nursing home. And she was, she was, even in the nursing home, she still dressed up every day. She fi fixed her hair. She looked good. There was nothing wrong with that. But her daughter was really kind of spoiled. And she was like 65, 70 years old at the time. And she was not okay with it. You could tell it was really humbling her. And so I went out there to see her uh, mama, and we're sitting there, and the daughter was there too because the daughter didn't work because she never had laid a hand at nothing. Anyway, so that's a whole other thing. So and we're sitting there in this big uh, community area. Commun you know, everybody kind of joined together in this area. And I'm talking to And somehow this lady finds her way over to me. You know, she's in a chair, like a, like a recliner, but it's got wheels on it. And somehow that woman was able to wiggle that thing all the way back to where I was. And the next thing I know, she grabbed my arm, pulled closer, and looked at me and was like, hi. <laughs> and I said, hi. And I didn't care. I just reached over and patted her hand and was rubbing her hand. Well, these women that I was there to see, they didn't care for that. So the daughter got her, wheel, got her chair, moved it all the way on the other side of the area. And I was like, What's wrong with her being right here? Nothing wrong with that. Well, I went on talking. Two, three minutes goes by. <sighs> I said, there she is again. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and inside, I was like, this is hilarious because these women, it's driving them nuts. I think it's the greatest thing ever. And here's, here's the daughter goes. She pushed her back to us at four times. And I, on the fourth time, I looked at her. I said, listen. Leave her alone. She needs somebody to touch. And she needs somebody to touch her. And Jesus is in their midst. And you've got your agenda, but God's got his. And Jesus was walking through. You understand that when this story is going on, there's a celebration called the Passover. And everybody and their brothers come to the holy city to celebrate and meet God in the temple. And meanwhile, two blocks away is Jesus, God himself in the flesh, walking amongst the people that nobody wants to have anything to do with. 
Ain't it funny that we can come to church to celebrate God and we might actually find him down the street. And here Jesus is walking amongst the people. No priests, no high priests, no faith healers, no televangelists. Nobody even wants to be there because it's a horrible crash wreck of a scene. And here Jesus is by himself in the midst of them. And he looks at this man and he says, do you want to be made well? And he says, pick your bed up and walk. And while everybody's over here looking to find God, Jesus is over here in the flesh healing people. Because we only see the one, but I believe with everything in me that every single person at that pool picked their beds up and walked that day. Scripture doesn't say it. But if Scripture said everything, we wouldn't have enough books to hold it all. I personally believe, and nobody will ever convince me any different, that Jesus finished a job that day, but the story is only told about the one. That's me. And so sharing all those things to, so that you know this, it's worth, it's worth it all. It's worth it all. Mercy is a serious thing. Today, that mercy walks through this congregation that mercy strides through every community across this world, and what are we going to do with it? That, I, I say this today as I pray for you. Let's make room for that mercy today. And let's stand and thank him today. Won't you stand with me today? Let's embrace mercy today like we never have before, and let's extend it like we never have before. Because I believe that God is in the midst, and I believe that God is at work, and I know that the world's gone crazy, but it ain't, it ain't changing God's mind. It ain't changing his agenda. It ain't none of those things. And none of them would happen if God didn't allow them to happen. And since God's allowed them to happen, I'm telling you what, God is at work. And I know from Scripture that the end days, which very well could be these, that God would pour out his Spirit, and I ain't got no reason to go home and act discouraged and turn on the news and let somebody in this world that's trying to make money influence how I think and how I feel because what I'm going to do is let the Word of God and stand on it and I'm going to embrace mercy and I'm going to extend it to the people who need it, which is everybody. But some people are too hard, Pastor. You don't understand. If you're saying that, you're the hardest of them all. God, we thank you for your mercy. We reach out and we grab it and we embrace it today. Thank you for mercy, God. None of us would be right here today without that mercy. Thank you for that mercy because along with mercy is your forgiveness and your love and your grace that you extend to us so bountifully without limits. This lasts forever and ever and ever. And David in the Old Testament is a shining example of what your mercy can do. He deserved death. He deserved to be punished. But God, you seen fit to extend him mercy, but he also responded to that mercy and that he, he, he was thankful for it. He realized that he should have been a goner, but he wasn't because of your great mercy. Thank you, God, today. Let us not waste it. Let us not waste the thing, God, you've extended it to us. Allow us to extend it to other people, God. We thank you for that today, God. We know that we're tempted in every way to speak in such ways that cause division. To, to, to do things on social media that would cause division, that would cause strife, would cause worry. But God, today, I'm going to make it my business to be about your business, to produce, to help produce, to continue to produce and share merciful and graceful things. Because God, I know this, that it says in your word that it was the kindness of God that drew me 
to repentance. And I believe that your mercy is the absolute foundation of your kindness. It's the reason why you are so kind to us is because of your unfathomable mercy. Thank you today, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for today's podcast. You can find out more about us at lhchampton.com. See you soon.